Welcome to Diving Into Crypto. Diving Into Crypto. A weekly series where thought leaders share insights, strategies, and insider stories about all things crypto and Web3. Brought to you by Adlunum. Um, so hello and, and welcome everyone to Adlutum's Diving Into Crypto show. Uh, Adlutum is the industry's first engaged to earn proof of attention launchpad. Uh, Diving Into Crypto is our Spotify series where we talk to some of the movies, movers and shakers of the industry uh, and share a little bit, bit about what they're doing to push this space further. So before we begin, let's do a brief sound check. Can everybody hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Alrighty. Um, okay, yeah, so feel free to use the reaction buttons uh, when you hear gems from our speakers. At the end of the program, we'll open the room for questions and answers. You can send your questions across to our Twitter account at Adludum Inc. Um, and today we have a very interesting show for you guys today. Um, uh, our guest, Alexander Raffin, is legendary in the crypto space. Uh, Alexander is the co-founder and CEO of Gains, one of the largest, oldest, most active crypto communities in the world. Uh, he holds a master's degree in computer science, is passionate about new technologies. Um, you sort of can't wait to get into uh, new and exciting revolutions that will possibly transform the way we live. Uh, I know that we've uh, had a chance of uh, uh, to, to co-invest on a lot of projects together through NFT Tech. Um, and before jumping into crypto, Alex uh, was Alexander was into uh, League of Legends, where he played competitively, uh, playing on the stage in front of hundreds of people, peaked at rank 300 in Europe. Uh, so let's start with some questions. Um, and um, okay, cool. Uh, so Alexander, let's, let's let's get started. Tell us a bit about yourself. You know, kind of how you got into crypto, uh, and what where the switch flipped. Right, awesome. I mean, thank you for the interview, Jason. And um, I mean, I, I guess um, you should also tell people a bit about yourself, you know, how you've been featured in, in so many magazines and your past as an entrepreneur. And I'm not sure how people know uh, NFT Tech, how much they know about it, but um, it's uh, by Mario Naufal, the guy who's been so popular on Twitter spaces, getting celebrities, 10,000 listeners and so on. So you've been working with him. Uh, just so, so that people know a bit about you as well. Anyway, uh, regarding myself, how I got into crypto, it was basically through a friend who was already in crypto. He told me about it. I jumped, I bought some Bitcoin and uh, pretty quickly started taking an interest in ICOs. And uh, because I just saw, you know, it was like the very beginning of 2018 and everything was still pumping like crazy. So even the bad projects were doing 5x and so on. So um, this is when I started investing in ICOs in private sales and when I started GAINS, which is a community of investors. And we invest together, we try to find the best deals early so that we get a cheaper token price than at the launch for higher upside. Oh, thanks. Thanks, uh, Alexander, for that introduction. And also, you know, uh, telling people a bit about uh, kind of how we knew each other and, and, and uh, the work that I do. I guess, I guess interestingly, uh, uh, I came across Gaines uh, a while ago when I was over at NFT Technologies, which for the people that don't know, uh, makes a lot of investments in the Web3 space. It also has a sister company called IBC, National Blockchain Consulting, uh, which hosts a roundtable show, uh, which is also pretty popular on, on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, we uh, ended up 
um, sharing a lot of deal flow back and forth. Uh, and and uh, a lot of the projects, you know, Gaines has such a great uh, reputation in ter- like terms of really understanding token architecture, tokenomics, that uh, I think a lot of retail investors, when they see Gaines um, on, on a deck, uh, you know, a quick to a quick to realize that you know somebody who really understands tokenomics has examined the tokenomics of this project and thought it's worthwhile, and I think that carries a lot of weight uh, for a lot of people. Uh, but 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 going from that, like, kind of what got it, you? Know, if you can talk about what got you passionate about Web three, uh, I know you sort of entered this sort of from a um, you know uh, from from a linear where you where you sort of saw a, a profit opportunity, but I'm curious because I clearly see a lot of passion in the work work that you guys do. So I'm curious where that comes from. Right. Well, um, there's a few things, but when I knew nothing about crypto, I I stayed in it because I still had a feeling that there were so many smart people working on it, and so you know I was asking dozens of questions to my friends to to understand more. But I still had a feeling that it wasn't something like just academic or intellectual just for the sake of it. Like these smart people were executing. And uh, that was something I really liked. Also, it was really fast moving. And I thought I would, I would learn a lot in this fast-paced environment. Um, and I mean, also, I, I had, you know, for a few bad experiences with banks. Um, it, it's pretty crazy um, if you want to send just even a few thousand dollars abroad um, they ask you so many questions and so on, and so it's it's really not a good experience. Uh, and so for that, crypto is a good solution, of course. Yeah, it's amazing. That's that's you know a lot of people come to people come to crypto from sort of all areas. You know, like some people that are sort of libertarian and it's about freedom and it's about you know sovereignty and things like that. And for other people, it's like very practical in terms of like you know just just moving money about it and, and how difficult it is. And I, I remember uh, in our previous company, I had a company called Smart Clock, uh, and we often had to send funds to China to get you know samples and, and LCD screens and so on. Um, and and it was just a nightmare because just sending my own money out like hundred two hundred dollars out. I had to literally fill like an eight, nine page form and then literally specifies exactly what I was importing. Uh, and, and it says at the bottom of the form that if you're, if you're wrong about, you know, if you've said anything wrong, that, it, that it's, a, that it's uh, you know, illegal and stuff. And they didn't have, for example, they didn't have a section for development boards. So you kind of had to pick the, the, the closest possible to it, which is like, um, uh, I think it was like a controller timer or something like that. It was just, it was, and it was just so scary because it's like, okay, great. If these guys determine that this is a lie or, or incorrect, you know, that's literally illegal. And this is all because I'm trying to send a hundred fifty dollars out. So yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from from just the percent, just from the perspective of like sending funds, uh, you know, over. Uh, but going back to projects, you know, that you've invested in and things like that, I'm curious, you know, um, what would you say uh, in terms of community? Uh, why would you say would, would you say that's crucial to a, a project? And sort of what do you what role do you think that plays uh, from a perspective of community? Yeah, of course. I mean. So everyone uses the word community, right? Uh, building a real community is very hard. There's no shortcut. You have to be active. You have to to be genuinely passionate about your project so that you attract people with the same energy. And and I think it's one of the reasons why we had so many fast-growing companies, unicorns, in just a year or two. Of course, the whole crypto industry was booming, but the way I look at it is you transform potentially all your customers or even not like direct customers, but just your fans 
into biz devs, kind of, right? They're going to like on Twitter and they're going to make memes and everything. They're going to tell their friends. Like, you don't really tell your friends about Amazon or other, like, traditional services the way you would about a crypto service. So it's just a huge leverage for, you know, all the, the network and the people that love what you do because they get to have a stake in your success. And, uh, you know, it's fun. So, so I think communities are extremely important for that reason. So in terms of you picking certain projects to invest in, like how much, you know, does that play a, play a part in it? And sort of what is your overall method? Because I'm definitely curious about that, your overall method in, in sort of selecting projects that you guys invest in. Right, that's play a role. We, we have a few quick heuristics we use to check how strong the community is. For example, one that I like to use is checking how many people I follow, so people that you know I trust also follow a certain project. It's not entirely, it's not even really about the number of followers because you can easily have 50, 100,000 followers, um, but that doesn't mean much in itself. What matters is you know, 50, 15, 100 of people you follow also follow that project. For me, that means a lot more. So, so that's that's one of the ways we we take a look. And I mean, it's very easy when you you develop a feel for it on Telegram. Uh, you very quickly go and see, you know, if it's just like people saying hello, or if there are actual good discussions and you know, good banter or whatever. Um, so, so that that's quite easy to see. Regarding the the criteria we use, there, there's quite a lot. Um, but I would say the main three, of course, it's the team. So that that's pretty cliche, but it is true. Um, we, I mean, a past experience as an entrepreneur, especially for the CEO, a successful one, an exit, for example, 90% we're going to invest if it makes sense, if everything checks out. Um, because it's just like when you have been successful once, usually you can be successful multiple times in the future. Um, and we, in the past, that's funny, actually, like back in 2018, uh, some might remember that, Jan Balina, it was extremely popular and you had a spreadsheet it was grading projects using uh you know affecting ways to different uh criteria and and it was uh there was a lot of weight on the team and and what he used was you know did they go to amazon google all these big companies and and that matters uh still a bit but but much less it was kind of a meme back in the day right it was almost like an auto invest if there was a, a member that you know had an experience that a big company in the past, which was pretty silly when we look back. Um, so, so the team first. Second, the valuation. The valuation needs to make sense. And, and we've learned our lessons. Uh, the valuations fluctuate based on market sentiments. So, so we try to negotiate the best valuations. We pass on a lot of projects that, you know, with very solid teams because the valuation is too high, for example. Um, and third, I would say the tokenomics, because again, there's a lot of very good projects, but we, we invest to make money, right? And we, we need to also protect our community. And so if the token is based on error, and sure, it's going to pump a bit with influencers at launch, but if there is no sustainable demand for the token in the long term, because that's where the really, you know, 100x or more comes in, then it's not a good fit for us. So I would say these three, team, valuation, tokenomics, and community, as you mentioned, are very important points. But um, after some time in crypto, 
you you don't think about it that much. You you, you basically get a feel for people and if they bullshit you or not. Uh, but you you do you do have to take the time and go in, in hundreds of calls and then you can tell very quickly if the project is, is good or not. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's a great insight, uh, and I totally agree with you. I think uh, the uh, the team is really important, uh, but I think it's more so from the perspective of uh, you know the their integrity and their sort of uh, way of doing business and their approach to business. Uh, again, also their business ethics, because ultimately the amount of you know uh, the amount of power that somebody who is you know. Uh, uh, running a crypto company has like we well we know about FTX and essentially kind of you know how he essentially had no, nobody on his board uh, and so and oftentimes that is the case with, with with crypto companies where there's nobody really on the board and so you're you're placing a large degree of trust on the, on the founder itself and the founder's team and sort of their ethics and and what they want to do and I, I think that that's so much more true with crypto than it is with equity uh, and I think people do don't really pay enough attention to that sort of like the, the ethics and the and the business ethics of the founders and and sort of their their history with money and and things like that because you know if you give a new founder a couple million two three million dollars and there's like zero accountability uh and this guy has never had you know uh more than like a, a couple hundred thousand in, in his in his bank account at a time you know it's it, it can be quite heady and it can be you know difficult for somebody like that, uh, especially a new entrepreneur, to sort of determine what are absolute expenses uh, and what are things that can be, you know, are things that they need to bootstrap. So I think that's something that, you know, really, really, um, as investors, I don't think that uh, people give enough weight to. Um, you mentioned Ian. Uh, Ian, great guy. I was on a, uh, spoke at a panel together at the Indian Blockchain Association. He actually came down to Goa and we hung out. Uh, we spent some time together in Panjim. Um, he really liked Goa. Uh, said he definitely wanted to come back. Actually, his birthday was a couple months after that in Dubai, um, and I remember Evan. Uh, Evan called me because Evan Luther was another investor in this space. Already happening, but interestingly, I believe he got hacked because he showed something on his screen uh, and he lost. I think it was like two, uh, just two, three million dollar portfolio. I think everything was like drained, uh, and and I, I think since then he's been he's been somewhat quiet. Uh, but, but, you know, very interesting guy, you know, interesting that, um, you know, his, his investment philosophy, but I think, you know, he would, if he, had, if he gave a bit more, more weight to the, the ethics of those founders, as opposed to just sort of whether they work at a, at a big tech company, probably, he probably would have been better off today. I don't know how he's doing today. I hope he's okay. Uh, but yeah, moving on. Uh, yeah, yeah, cool, just, yeah. just a quick bit about that. Uh, is actually uh, working at a. I believe it's quite successful. Uh, the company named Token Metrics, and oh, they okay. they provide insights here with uh, some kind of AI on projects. So I think it's doing quite well. They're they're raising or they've probably raised around already. Um, but but maybe one last point regarding you know how we choose projects. Uh, one key difference between Gains, which is a decentralized VC, and traditional VCs that we have the power of community, our own community. And, you know, we, we have a research team, uh, so we, we only have 24 hours. And, uh, oh, by the way, Jason, there's some echo on your side. Um, but, um, so, so what I wanted to get at is, we, we do check projects quite thoroughly, but especially in the bull market when things are super fast, Having literally hundreds of eyeballs from the community that, you know, I mean, they also invest their own money, so 
they're going to be pretty relentless. And we it actually happened a couple of times. So a couple of times over, you know, 200 plus projects that people found things that we didn't see. And then we passed on the project. We're like, okay, guys, you're right. We thought it was good, but there's this shady thing that you guys found. So let's pass. And so that gives even more credibility when you see gains on the cap table. You know that we have our experience, five years full-time in crypto, very good feeling about projects, our track records. And you also have hundreds of people that, you know, they're each putting their own money just like we are. And they also did their own due diligence. And at a traditional firm, you're going to have just a few people just like we do. So, so I think for that reason, you can be even more confident in the projects. Yeah, you know, I'm curious also about that. Um, like, how much how much does your community have, uh, say, in terms of, you know, in projects you invest in and, you know, projects that you're sort of, uh, you know, messaging for the complaints and things like that? Like, how, how, like, uh, how fluid is that sort of uh, transfer of information or, or questions, let's say, from people within your community to companies that you invest in? So we're actually going to turn into an on-chain DAO next month slowly we will you know the DAO will have voting power over uh, different categories of, of decisions for now we take input informally from the community but if we see people they bring up an important point then of course we engage in discussion and you know if needed we take action which you know could be passing could be checking out a project asking questions to find out more uh, uh, you know to the team and so on yeah, because, you know, due diligence with crypto is really, really difficult. I remember there was a company that had uh, that, that we were considering investing in, uh, and they said that they'd had a partnership with TikTok uh, that hadn't been announced yet. There was final final stages and stuff like that, that, that they didn't want to talk too much about it because they didn't want to jinx it or, you know, cause cause any bad effects. And luckily for us, like while we were in the process of investing with, the, with them, uh, TikTok actually made a partnership with another company that was doing something very similar to what they were doing. Uh, and so I got a, got on a call with them and I said, hey, uh, I just I've just heard that TikTok is putting this out. You know, why would they uh, do, do you have anything? You know, why why would they be announcing this and not be announcing the partnership that they have with you? Uh, and do you have any documents uh, to, to share um, with relation to your partnership? And actually, believe it or not, like they were extremely reluctant to share any information. And finally, I found out it's because they really didn't have anything and it was really completely a figment of their imagination and and it's very easy you know to like when to say oh a partnership is in the final stages of happening uh and then you know use that as as leverage to get massive amounts of investment and then all of a sudden go oh hey the partnership fell through but now we're investing by all these people right uh, it's just so okay, difficult right. to do due diligence in this particularly yeah. in this space uh and also i, mean, yeah. I feel like... go ahead no i mean for sure i mean it's just so, so what we do is also, we've had this experience with um, projects saying, oh, you know, X, Y, Z, they're investors. And then we're friends with these guys, you know, and we're like, hey, did you guys invest in this project? And they're like, no, we're just in, in discussion with them. So, so product owners will conflate, um, you know, soft commits or just having had a call and they will kind of lie because they know it gets the ball rolling. But if you find out, if you have the network like we do to cross-check the information, then it's just going to make us hard pass on them because, you know, if, if they behave like that, you know, what is, are they going to do? Um, and also regarding what you said, it's super hard to do due diligence. You cannot verify everything. Um, and, and you just have to accept 
some level of risk in crypto because you have incredible upside. You have the most upside. Uh, it's, it's the, 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 the asset class with the most upside on the planet. So, of course, there's going to be more risk than in other industries. That That's just how it works. Yeah, I mean, I guess this goes back to, you know, sort of like the founder's backgrounds and things like that. I mean, uh, the, these are like interesting. I, I'm surprised with a lot of founders that they don't release more information about their background. I would really ideally love to see pretty much like a LinkedIn profile that goes back all the way to their first job. And ideally, maybe references from other job people, from people they've worked with. Uh, I mean, being able to track somebody's history back 20, 30 years uh, is super, super useful because, I mean, you can, if especially in crypto, you know, you only need, if you're going to pull out a scam and that's, and that's you know, you're, you're off that kind of mind, you only need a couple of years to do that, right? Like, if you're in this industry for four, five, six years in senior roles, uh, you've probably had several opportunities to scam and, you know, take off to Angola or something like that. And if you're still in here, you know, you're probably not likely, you, you, you probably care more about your reputation than a, than a few bucks here and there. And I think that's something that, you know, it's really, really, really useful to look at when you're like investing in founders to is to sort of be able to like track their history and see like what have these guys done before and also like kind of how they know each other. Because one of the things that happened to me is uh, we invested in a company where uh, and then all of a sudden the, the company, the two founders had a falling out and one, one founder just left. And the founder that we really, the reason we'd actually invest in the company was, was, was because of the founder that had, that had left. And so then we were kind of stuck with this company in our portfolio uh, and, and it really never did anything because, you know, that when you have a founder leave, I mean, that's another thing. It's like sort of what is the chemistry between the founders, I think. So, like, so I think the team is super important. Well, yeah, this is actually something we have in our tech because we, we have gains, right? The, the investment part where people can join. But uh, we're also building UMIM, a social network for memes, and we're raising for it. So we have a deck for that. And on the deck, there is written that uh, the founders, we have known each other for the past five years. We have worked together, actually, for the past five years. Because the first cause of startup failure is founder disagreements. So, because, you know, you, you have, if it gets hard, you have uh, discussions. If it's, if there's too much money, you, you have issues as well. So, so there's lots of reasons for hard discussions. And when you have been through some time together, you have gone through the, the very bad and the very good times together. And if you have come out of it alive and together, then that means a lot. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned you meme, and I think that, brings us perfectly into the sort of the next topic uh i'm curious about like what can you tell us more about your track record you know sort of the projects that you've invested in uh the ones that worked really well and some of the lessons that you learned uh kind of from that yeah for sure so i guess uh, i'll name three that uh, i think most people will know so we are early investors in avalanche hashgraph and crop network and all these projects, they're in the top 50 right now. I haven't checked today, you know, unless they, they dump like crazy, which I don't think so. So so we invested when basically no one knew about them, which is why we got a very good price. And we brought these deals to our community. Um, we, they, they made incredible returns. We, we all did together. Uh, we also invested in 200 plus projects. Uh, the list is on our website, the portfolio section. Uh, another famous one in 2021 was Blocktopia. It was the literal 
best performing project of that year because it peaked at more than a thousand X. So, you know, not for uh, the hundred percent of the tokens, it was something like 10% released, but it was still very, very good. And uh, we also invested in a lot of other projects that did very well, gaming infrastructure. We invested in Reef, for example, went on Binance, did very well, something like 50X and many, many other projects. Um, so, 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 yeah, I, I guess that's it. Yeah, also, uh, for, for, for those of you guys... Can we know, invest in Adonano, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to add that. For those of you guys that are not aware... Uh, Gains is, is one of our, uh, uh, what if Lunum's investors, and we're very, very, very pleased to have them have them aboard. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's a fan- phenomenal track record, uh, you know, Alex. And I and I and I saw that when early on when I was talking with Gains, that you know some of the projects that he invested in done really well. I remember Blocktopia. I think uh, uh, we were able to invest in them in us in the seed. I remember when they came to uh, my first call with them, uh, and I think uh, uh, I made the decision to made the decision to invest. I think we sent them. Uh, we closed it in like twenty minutes. So I think it was like eight forty p.m. when I had that the call and like by the time we closed it was like 9 and 9 p.m because it was like a really 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 good project and obviously i think it, i think we knew that you were in at the time i'm not sure if we did or not um but that would have definitely influenced that decision but yeah those are those are some great projects did you invest in avalanche as well yeah yeah we did and uh, I, I did also personally so that was a very good one for sure yeah, I love Avalanche. Uh, I had some some discussions with them uh, uh, earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago about sort of what they were doing in India, um, and and I think that they're you know they've got this subnet strategy which is really 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 interesting, and I think that that's going to really make that token uh, extremely valuable because the way like in order to create a subnet and and a lot of companies are doing that. A lot of companies, matter of fact, that uh, that NFT tech. I think and gains has invested. I think one or two companies have actually created subnets on Avalanche, uh, and that what that, what that means is that allows them to like be a lot more efficient. Uh, uh, and and you know uh, all these tokens, these guys can also have their own tokens that they have their own subnet. Uh, but it but it increases the the utility for the main Avalanche token because you need to stake a certain amount of Avalanche tokens before uh, you can you can uh, create a subnet and not only that but anybody who, who mines tokens for your for your subnet has to also mine tokens for avalanche so it's pretty interesting the way they've set that up um, but cool all right uh, what innovations can we expect from gains in 2023 I know you mentioned you meme like that was really cool I remember uh, when we when the algorithm team got to meet you in Goa yes like really cool you meme size so yeah tell us more about you meme tell us more about what you guys have uh what, what's the story for 2023 right yeah you meme so uh, the website is you meme.com it's like youtube but with meme instead of tube so if you guys want to check it out if you love memes you know if you need five minutes uh, out of your day to to relax uh feel free to go there uh for now it's uh tokenized only with off-chain points so there's you meme diamonds and these will be convertible to human tokens later on. And uh, basically, it's meme to earn. So you can create memes, and there's meme contests with various crypto projects. And if your meme is selected among the winners, then you get some USDC, and later on, you even get tokens. So, so that's pretty cool. Uh, we also have lots of amazing features coming. And the, the one I'm particularly excited about, because I've been a gamer uh, in my childhood and, and teenagers, is the gamification aspect and it looks just amazingly beautiful 
And it's, it's going to be the first social network in the world that's going to be gamified. So it's going to be in between, uh, you know, a video game and a social network. So you, you literally will have levels, quests, achievements, rewards if you log in. And all that is just going to make the experience more fun, more engaging. Uh, so, so that's going to be, I'm super excited for it. Um, and also with games, we, we have lots and lots of things planned. Uh, we have a launch pad of our own. Uh, because we do recognize that the public sale market is, I don't know, probably a hundred times bigger and actually easier than the private sale markets. Uh, because, you know, public sales just attract many more people. Uh, it's easy. It's like you, you buy in one day and kind of, it sounds bad, but you flip the next, you know, uh, you, you invest 500, tomorrow you have a thousand, right? It's like magic. Um, in private sale, it takes more time. So, so for that reason, Many more people are interested in public sales. And of course, what you guys do uh, is selecting the right people because uh, it is the reality that you can make lots of money quickly with public sales, but you also want to bring the people that will bring value, more long-term value to the project. Uh, and so you can select them in a way using different criteria, you know, on-chain or, you know, asking them questions about the project and so on. And so we'll have a launch pad with that kind of angle as well. Uh, when the time is right, because we, we don't want to launch it now. It doesn't make much sense. Um, and, and we have a few other, uh, you know, more minor things planned. But uh, I guess these are the, the big ones for now. Yeah, I think we definitely, I think uh, from a philosophical perspective, we definitely agree with you on that. Because what one of the whole points of Ad Lunum as a launchpad is to sort of have, to, uh, to allow projects to have like a, a significant amount of being able to dial in who their even their public investors are sort of on a more more closely to to the to the way they would do their private investors so i don't think that you know it's ideal for uh, projects i mean to, to you know to to have even public, you know, sorry, retail investors that expect to flip that token. And I think that's not what they most of them want. So I think what's going to end up happening is, and what, what, what we're trying to do anyway, is provide that data to, to them. So for example, if a guy has sort of never played any games, then maybe he's not the person that you select to invest. So maybe there's a, there's not just like, uh, uh, like an open forum, but there's also like a pull and a push where you also sort of like select certain people to be investors, and then some some investors uh, are sort of selected by the company, and on the other on the flip side, some of them are is is sort of the investor selecting which companies they want to invest in. Um, but going on to you meme, which you mentioned, I think that's like that's a really like you guys are really onto something there because the entire communication for Web three today is memes like. That's how communication happens. There's not. There's not a lot of. Uh, there's not a lot of points being made uh, outside of memes, uh, and that's interesting. It's interesting because if you think about it, like even in finance on uh, something like Wall Street bets or things, something like that, uh, all the main discussions and and everything that's being said that's of consequence, that's of you know, um, uh, uh, that's uh, yeah, that, that moves markets are memes. Uh, and that's and that's sort of you know uh, what what the currency of the day is. So I think that like you guys are really onto something in terms of like if there needs to be a, why is there not a social network you know focused on memes like gamification memes because creating this content uh, why are those guys you know not being uh, you know uh, reimbursed or you know benefited in some ways. So I think that's but you know if you could talk a bit more about sort of you meme how that does how it does it like sort of when you guys. Um, 
like what your plans are, that'd be that, you know, we have a bit of extra time. So I think maybe we can spend it doing that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've done so much research on memes and social networks in the past six months or a year. And and the, the more I learned, the more convinced I was. So, so I'll give you a few facts. Um, memes, they get 10x more reach than usual content. And so... As if you're like in charge of marketing for a company or whatever, you essentially have no reason not to post memes. So I, I guess that it's just maybe you don't post only memes because it might be weird, but it's like people know memes are good, but I don't think they know how good they are. I don't think they're, they're utilize, utilizing the full potential of memes. Uh, so that's the first point. It, it's like crazy, right? I mean, if you, you have a, a magic trick to get 10x more reach just tomorrow, just post a meme instead of posting like traditional text or traditional image, that, that's pretty crazy. So that, that's the first thing. And the second thing is the social networks. And everyone is talking about social networks in Web3. You know, uh, there's been various issues uh, governance issues, censorship issues. We have the Twitter files, the Facebook files, you know, knowing how the FBI had kind of not gold mode, but close to that access to DMs of people and everything. So, so it is needed for our society that we have a social network where we know that, you know, everything's going to be good and, and, you know, we're not going to be cheated. Our data privacy is not going to be violated and everything so people know there's going to be a global web3 based social network and many people have tried so far but they kind of have all failed and and th there's multiple reasons why you know maybe it was too early but i think one of the main reasons is that these guys tried to be too generic from the get-go and so that doesn't work. You need stickiness. You need something special, unique to bring a tight core user base. And then you can expand, you know, mainstream much later into something generic. And so that's that's our approach is to start with the meme niche. And uh, for now, it's working very well. Uh, so, so I guess these are a few thoughts on, on memes and, and social networks for you. Yeah, you know, it, I think people... Uh, I used to work, uh, you know, I've, I've worked for a lot of traditional Web3 companies, like Web3 companies that just sort of uh, I, 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 like shoot from the hip a little bit less and are just a little bit more like slow moving. Uh, and, and they see memes sort of with um, with suspicion. I remember being, uh, you know, t like at this meeting and I was telling them that, that their social media team that, you know, they really push memes and, and essentially do a meme contest and everything. And, and they felt that it was just distasteful and off-brand uh, and, and, you know, it, it lowered their brand to, like, have me associated with, let's say, guys posting, you know, Pablo Escobar photographs or whatever from, from the Netflix uh, related to them. But, I, you know, I tried to tell them, I was like, hey, this is how this is how communication is happening in Web3 today. Like, that's what this is what we have. Like, the, the tweets that you're putting out, nobody's reading. You know, they're, they're checking out memes. Um, but yeah, speaking of, speaking of sort of, uh, uh, the industry sort of situation, I'm curious, what do you think in terms of like the IDO? I mean, we know Bitcoin is now, you know, just about coming up yesterday went 23, seven, 23, eight, I think, uh, we're now we're at 23, one, um, what do you think, uh, it would, we would need to be at in order to start for the IDO market to pick up, um, uh, and for that, or, or do you think it's already sort of picked up already? And sort of the funding, the funding market for early stage projects. 
I'll answer, but just before that, I wanted to add one cool fact about memes. So Elon Musk, you know, arguably one of the most powerful men on the planet, one of the most successful entrepreneurs. So definitely he understands something about humans and society. And he tweeted, who controls memes controls the universe. So I think that says a lot. And, uh, you know, the more I was thinking about it, I think there might be a future where society is slowly but surely memified. That, you know, in, in most of our interactions, we use memes more and more naturally. There's already, it's already the case in some, you know, young companies. You have memes when you do business presentations. Uh, you, you might even use memes as thumbnails of articles. So, you know, maybe not on Forbes and, and the Wall Street Journal yet, but maybe in a few years, who knows? So, uh, so just to conclude on the memes with that, regarding the, the market sentiment and the IDOs, um, I think we're not there yet. I think most people are still skeptical, um, but there is, there is more activity these days, of course. Um, in my opinion, I usually, you know, like the, the, the market cycles, we go down for, you know, six months, a year, and then there needs to be a period when we go sideways at the bottom. Like this is the boring period when people leave crypto, no one talks in the chats. Um, that happens, you know, in the second half of 2018, for example. We didn't really have that yet. Um, so the space is different. People are still much more active. Maybe they learned that they need to be active during the bear market to not miss the best opportunities. But um, I, I feel like we need more time. I think psychologically, uh, there needs to be a certain amount of time that is spent before we can go up quite hard again. Um, with that said, the best time to invest is, you know, right before the beginning of a bull market. Um, so so I, I think it's a wise bet to start placing chips slowly. So do you think stuff is sort of heated up uh, in the in the private space? private investing space too because i know that you know generally speaking uh when we make investments in these projects like you're you don't get you know uh your unlock happens uh related related to the tge and a lot of these projects uh, you know are delaying the tge so a lot of new investments are not don't really make a whole lot of sense because you have really no idea uh and the company has no idea when they intend to to do a TGE, and so I'm curious whether you see that changing, uh, and sort of what is the, the 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 scene that you see sort of in the private sale uh, investing stage. I know a lot of projects right now that are you know sort of desperate for funds and having a hard time like sustaining. Well, maybe to understand a bit more, it's so so VCs can be quite predatory, and VCs they also have a pulse on the ecosystem, right? And and the VCs, they want the best deals possible. So they want entrepreneurs to be desperate. They want them to run out of funds and to lower the valuation. The VCs want to negotiate hard. And the more they wait, the more they have leverage. There is a ton of capital. I don't have the exact figure, but um, billions and billions, dozens of billions, you know, in various funds waiting to fund these projects. But I think, you know, at the high level, they kind of all agree uh, maybe, you know, tacitly, that it's good for them to wait and to push entrepreneurs to, to, to their limits to get the best deals. Um, so, you know, I think we, I, I don't think we have really seen that. I think we, we, we can get more pain. It feels weird. Um, I, I have a lot of trouble to believe in that say, we're going to go up from here a, a lot. Uh, but who knows, you know, maybe. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I totally agree. It's funny because uh, we advise some projects at Alunum. I think we advise two or three projects. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, some of these projects, uh, both the ones that we advise and just other ones that we are associated with, you know, they're, some of them had never raised funds at all. Like they haven't, they're just brand new. And they and it turns out that they decided to start, you know, in a bear market. So they've raised almost no funds. Uh, and, and so they're having a hard time. They have a hard time, you know, like getting by. And then they start getting desperate and think, doing things like, you know, thinking that lowering their valuation is going to help or, you know, uh, why are their advisors not inducing them to other advisors? I mean, it doesn't make sense for advisors to introduce you to other projects because really like for projects to, for even, even the advisors sort of their, their pay usually, uh, you know, comes in advisor tokens that again, you know, don't kick uh, kick in as, as part of their TGE. So, so they're going to be less likely to be interested in advising new projects too, which is something that I'm often told like brand new projects coming out that, you know, now's not the time to put you in front of a bunch of advisors and investors. It's now sort of the time to wait and not be desperate. Uh, you guys need to sort of like focus on building. Uh, and when the market's back, then go to fundraise because there's no point spending, you know, a whole bunch of time and money trying to fundraise, you know, and raising a really small amount of money when you could, you know, your, your time is better served, perhaps building your product and actually like moving, moving forward. Um, that's 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 one of the things that you know that I tell projects that like getting desperate is is not the way to attract investors and I tell them like it's 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 amazing how little like I, I, how little this is internalized by entrepreneurs because I've had entrepreneurs go like hey we can do this we can do this and I'm like this is you're not helping your case by you know uh like coming off desperate to, to these investors it's, it's, it's not gonna get you any further but yeah, uh, cool. Let's let's uh, we have another few minutes. I think uh, we can just check in with some the audience questions. If there are any, let me just uh, double check. Uh, I'll have those sent to me. In the meantime, uh, would you like to talk talk about uh, sort of uh, Gaines's overall philosophy? So the audience would want to know uh, what your personal philosophy is, like what your what key. What, well, let's say what your personal philosophy for gains is, and then what your what is your personal philosophy for yourself, you know, Alexander, and in terms of like what keeps you going, what keeps you going um, in this in this industry, and what are you what are you hoping to achieve? I mean, clearly, a lot of people, you know, have more money than they would reasonably be able to spend in, especially people in in this industry, investors and stuff. They're not working for. Uh, money they're working to make an, an impact in some areas so I'm curious what your what, what impact you know you see yourself making what's your personal philosophy and also what you see for gains well what a question uh, thank you for asking I guess there's a lot to say and I'd be curious uh, to return the question after so for gains um, well you know when I was learning how the financial system and, and investing works at some point I was very pissed off because it feels like it's a closed system for people already rich to make them richer. And in traditional finance, there is this concept of accredited investor. And you can be an accredited investor in a few ways, but essentially you need to have money. Either you, know, you have more than 1 million in assets, or you need to prove that over the last two years you made more than you know, 300K or something like that. There's a few uh, ways you can become one. And then you get special deals as an accredited investor. You, you have a network that you know, traditional people do not have access to. But let's say you, know, you, you have a regular job, you, you make some money, and you know, you, after work, you decide to spend a few hours, you research on your computer these crypto projects or these traditional companies, rather. 
and you want to invest, but you cannot because you don't have the money yet. So basically, smart but kind of poor or average people do not have access to the opportunities that maybe dumb and rich people have. You know, they may be smart and rich, but uh, so anyway, there, there's it feels very uh, unjust that uh, they, there's this discrepancy in opportunity. Uh, based on uh, how wealthy people are uh, at the start. And of course, I mean, it's in the name of protection. But in crypto, you know, because it's still unregulated and even with regulations, we can do things differently, which is the beauty of it. Uh, because gains is, by the way, in the process of being regulated, but uh, we still have these amazing opportunities. So what drew me to crypto uh, in part was that there are literally life-changing opportunities financially for everyone, right? And that is that is so, so strong and so powerful. And so the idea of GAINS is to really um, make that possible for as many people in the world as we can. You know, if, they, if you hear of GAINS and, and you want to get in, you can buy the token, access the deal flow, and then you, you get in on those. And, you know, we, we also with GAINS, we support the projects, we contribute to their success. Uh, so that's what GAINS uh, is about. And... Uh, small uh, like easter egg gains is also an acronym so uh, the letters they stand for group action is never small and our logo is a whale made of fishes to show that you know lots of fishes small investors can be as strong as a whale and have the same opportunities if not better than them uh, so i guess this is what we wow. do at gains I had no idea. This is total. That's totally news to me. I did notice your logo, but I never, I never noticed that there were actually fish in there, which is really crazy. I guess I didn't look at it close enough. That's that's really really cool. Uh, that that you even the name, uh, group action is never small. Uh, that's that's, yeah. That's that's also news to me. So I definitely think you should put that out more. Uh, very few people actually know that Ad Lunum is is uh, to the moon in Latin. Uh, that's what we're that that's what we're all about. And but but I guess like you know so so, so it's really cool. I think to some somebody should do a show just on the origin of the names of these of these Web three companies. But I think overall, uh, in terms of philosophy, I think we um, uh, Adlunum definitely shares gains philosophy in terms of sort of democratizing like crypto investments. Um, I know one of the things you're looking at like is is for most ideal launch pads. If you wanted to get in a launch pad. Like um, if let, let's say you know a paid network, uh, for example, which, where Lawrence uh, CTO was previously, I think it's like ten, twenty thousand uh, dollars in order to just invest three hundred dollars. Uh, so if you're you know somebody just starting out, there's no way for you to get involved in the in the whole IDEO uh, 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 industry at all. I mean, I know a lot of people you know ask me you know what what projects to invest in, and I you know I often tell them like other than you know, uh, some of the main uh, tokens, like in the top five, uh, I really don't invest in a whole lot of altcoins other than, you know, uh, early stage projects pre-IDO. Uh, and, and you know, if, if, if retail investors really want to make see, see gains, that they want to look at their portfolio and then say, okay, look, I'm going to have, let's say, 30% of this portfolio with something like Bitcoin and Ethereum, and I'm going to have, let's say, 70% of this portfolio because I have a high risk tolerance, you you might want to have seventy percent of your portfolio in IDOs, for example. Well, you can't really do that if you have, you know, less than a certain amount of uh, a, t a ticket fund to get in. And so I think that was one of the things that we felt at Adlunum is that like let's have 
the people that are contributing to these projects, that are contributing, that are building the hype of these projects, just award them by allowing them to partake, you know, giving them a, a, an option to partake in, in the, the best success that, that's available in the industry, which is sort of um, investing in ideas. So um, that's sort of a, I, I, I think from a philosophical, philosophical perspective, there's definitely, like that, that's sort of where we align with gains, I think. Uh, and yeah, that's sort of what we're hoping to achieve with um, with Adlerim. With regard to me personally, since you mentioned, you know, so curious about uh, where I came, how I came to this from. When I was in uh, college, like my final year, I did a, uh, I wrote a thesis on, uh, I was a political science major, uh, and I wrote a thesis on uh, democracy and whether the United States, it should be the United States' um, strategy to be spreading democracy worldwide. Uh, and ultimately, what, what I wrote was that it was more important for uh, countries to like if it was in the U.S.'s best national interest than other countries were democracies, that was more important that America spread uh, democratic values uh, rather than democracy itself. Because democracy isn't about like being able to vote. Uh, it's sort of about, you know, uh, a number of factors. It's more like a mini prong test. So, for example, <clears throat> does a country have, excuse me, does a country have uh, a two-party system? Does a country have uh, at least a two-party system, for example? Does a country have, uh, like, uh, do you have, like, 98% of the people voting for one politician? You know, then maybe that's not a fair election system. But I think, and then, of course, there's freedom of the press. But I think one of the key things um, uh, is, is, is a control of money, right? I think uh, somebody said, uh, you know, give me control of a nation's money and I care not who makes its laws. Um, and, and that's really where it comes down to. It's like money is a form uh, where through which uh, governments are, uh, are able to control their people. Um, and and so to some extent, that control, you know, can be benevolent. But when it comes to, you know, governments sort of digging into people's finances, for example, in Greece, you know, we know that the government literally went into people's bank accounts and took money out of their bank accounts uh, uh just just willy-nilly and that's something that shouldn't be able to happen and we've seen other other areas where you know government uh where interest rates for example and uh, are, are being changed quantitative easing so for example if much much more money is in the system then then your money is worth less which means the government has effectively essentially reached into your wallet and and taken out money uh and i think that like crypto is sort of a solution for that like crypto is is something that that can guard against uh, and give people uh, like the the little guy a, a way to fight back against uh, systemic oppression, uh, and I think that's probably what what drives me the most when it comes to crypto, for sure. That's awesome. By the way, I apologize for the sound because I'm currently in Dubai Mall, gonna meet one of our investors. But uh, yeah, I wanted to add that Bitcoin is freedom, and you know it might be hard to understand exactly why because that's like very quickly said, but uh, uh, for sure, one hundred percent. Awesome. So I think we'll uh, we'll close this up now. We're getting to the NFR pro, 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 broadcast, I guess so. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you so much for joining, uh, Alex. Alexander, it's been awesome having you and Gaines on. We really appreciate you as partners. It's been great having you on. And uh, everybody else, uh, please tune in next time. Uh, uh, same time, same, same bad channel uh, for Diamond and Crypto. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so much, Jason. See you. All right, you have a great day. Uh, thank you, everybody, and uh, see you next time.
Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Diving Into Crypto, proudly hosted by Adlunum, the first engaged-to-earn platform with a proof-of-attention model and dynamic NFT investor profiles.